But if they really knew how toxic that was and why their employees don't perform for them and why employees leave, then they wouldn't do it. And only when their own awareness sort of raises up um, can they say, oh, I just I, I, I want to feel better. I want my team to feel better. I want my performance to be better. I want to get bigger raises because um, my team is performing better. I mean, there's real tangible sort of effects to this. Um, and then there's the moment to moment always effect. Uh, if if there's not awareness. Mindful Work is the official podcast brought to you by the Mindful Life Mindful Work team. Amidst these rapidly changing times, our conversations will explore the intersection of self-awareness and team performance and help you to optimize your efforts through mindful work. On this episode of the Mindful Work podcast, Calvin Niles explores with guests how mindful work connects to performance, followed by insights from the Mindful Life Mindful Work team. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Work Podcast. I'm your host Calvin Niles and I'm delighted to be exploring performance in this episode with you. At Mindful Life Mindful Work, we hope to support you to develop effective leadership, greater team alignment, real employee commitment and a company culture that is deeply connected to your mission. In this episode, we are going to hear from Jonathan Reynolds. We are going to hear from our own Rene Metti. We're also going to hear a little bit from Hedy Kaplan as we explore the touch points of performance, what makes good performance, and also some of the areas around uh, resistance, how important self-awareness is to performance and the way we relate. Uh, we've already spoken about relationships and how we can improve our performance using mindfulness. Our team member, George Pedagorski, has said so delightfully in an article on our website that organizations have recognized the promise of mindfulness to improve performance, and they provide courses to teach mindfulness meditation to give employees tools to promote clear thinking and manage stress and burnout. Those efforts are most effective when they are part of a broader program that recognizes that mindfulness has profound effects on individuals. So we are back to this individual word, and self-awareness, of course, is what we have responsibility for as individuals. So let us get stuck into this really wonderful subject. But before we actually move any further, we'll do what we always do on this show. Let us take a mindful pause. It's so important to pause. So let's just take a moment and whatever you're doing, set it down. If there's something in your hands, let your hands be free. If you're moving and need to be walking, of course, noticing the process of doing so. But wherever you are, just pause. And again, it's more thematic. It's more felt sense pause. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll stop and do nothing. Um, pausing can be more qualitative in this sense. So again, it's sort of like silence, not necessarily being the absence of sound or stillness, not necessarily being the absence of movement. This qualitative sense that we can bring to each moment. So take a moment, pause, notice yourself either doing nothing or whatever you're doing with this new, renewed, attentive quality. Notice yourself in space. 
maybe you're even talking to somebody. Maybe you heard this moments ago and now you're on to the next thing, talking to somebody. Notice that you can have this quality of stillness and silence, even in execution, even in executing on your tasks. Notice yourself in the silence. Feel your body. Notice your awareness, noticing. This pausing is so very important because it's a reset. It's a chance for us to re-choose how we're going to be throughout our day. Hopefully you found this pause useful and hopefully you can carry it through your day in some way. Have a wonderful day of practice. Welcome back. Thank you for sharing that mindful pause with me. Now we can get stuck in to this episode of performance. I mentioned in our introduction that self-awareness was a theme that kept arising as we explored performance. And I was curious to know, what does a mindfully performing team look like? Here's what Rene Metti had to say. A team is made of individuals and you're only as strong as like the sum of the parts and um so each individual of the team has to be working on this level of self-awareness. And then as a team, there has to be a really strong vision. So each person has to have clarity around themselves and how they can contribute to the team. And then the team as a whole has to have a strong vision and some clarity around who's going to get, you know, who's going to make those contributions in what way. Oftentimes when I'm working with people, what I've recognized is that there's a big difference between a team that's given to you and you're trying to meet the, achieve the results, meet the goals based on who's in front of you. And you're trying to like piece it all together versus creating a team from scratch where you say, okay, this is the goal. These are the results that we're looking for. Who do we need to have and what do they need to be doing in order to get there? Now, those are kind of extremes. You're not always going to have the, the opportunity and some people maybe don't want to build a team, but you can still weave in, like, let's see who we have in front of us. Let's see what people are passionate about, what they're really great at doing and want to do, and then see what we're missing and see how everyone can contribute in the best way possible that's natural to them, because that's where you get the most engagement. And so I, I would say, when every individual knows their strengths and the natural way that they work and then the things that kind of set them off and then you have a strong vision and that strong clarity of where you're going, that's what a mindful team can look like in real life. So Rene's highlighted what a mindfully performing team looks like. And I was curious as I listened back to that conversation some of the personal inhibitors, because so much of this is rooted in self-awareness. And as you know, at Mindful Life, Mindful Work, we're all about the intersection of self-awareness and team performance. So I was curious to hear some of the personal inhibitors to optimum performance that Rene had experienced. I call it the three Ps, because of course, it, it's the things that I worked through myself um, and now that I find I'm working with other people who are high performers, high achievers, are um, perfectionism, people pleasing, and proving something. 
We all seem to have some level of that, whether we're willing to acknowledge it or not is a whole nother <laughs> layer uh, that we have to peel away. But I know myself, I'm a recovering perfectionist, uh, recovering people pleaser. And, you know, for me, the proving part wasn't necessarily having to prove to other people, although I would say maybe proving to my parents, um, like if you really peel some layers away. But a lot of the time, the proving was just for myself, like, can I do this? Uh, and I like to meet challenges. Uh, like I'm one of those people is like, don't tell me I can't do something because watch me. <laughs> and so I have that, that proving in me. Um, so I'd say those are the biggest challenges that I end up working with people through. Uh, and the mindfulness piece really allowed for space and time to peel away some of those conditioned layers of, you know, what we're supposed to do or what I should be doing or how I should be as a business owner or a mom or a wife or, you know, whatever the identities that we hold. So Renee talked about having some space around our sense of identity and some of the distractions that may come up, which she is saying is contributing factor to resistance, which in some way kind of shows how resistance might show up for some people. Yeah, when I speak about resistance, this was something I learned more recently or reframed um, resistance. So one of the, probably the most important uh, concept in being a winner, a champion, someone that achieves results consistently and over time, over and over again, is understanding resistance, meaning can you resist distractions, temptations, uh, all the things that can pull you away? Because at the core of everything, especially around performance, is um, dealing with discomfort. Like, how do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? And not some of those, you know, activities, which are great, but the the ones that are like, go do something every day that makes you uncomfortable, that kind of hovers on the superficial level. But really how, you know, what are the ways in which through awareness, are you distracting yourself because you do not like the feeling of not doing something, that addiction to action um, and the discomfort of silence, the discomfort of stillness and quiet. And so resistance is really understanding yourself, yourself. Like for me, it, there's a lot of things that I would say I have an addictive personality. And so I'm constantly looking for dopamine hits, whether that's the excitement of, you know, meeting new people or the excitement of a potential client. Like I always say I thrive in the unknown. I thrive in the unknown because I crave dopamine hits. <laughs> and so um, what's uncomfortable for me is not to have some of those dopamine hits. So creating more stillness, more space. And so I've asked myself a lot of times, like, am I a workaholic or do I love what I do? And entrepreneurs are constantly talking about the love of what they do and that's why they do what they do. So it's a question that I still will reference and ask myself to kind of keep in check. Uh, but more recently, it really is work I love to do and how I know the difference between whether this is a just a distraction and avoidance 
versus is this really work and love that I do is I do a lot intuitively, just like kind of on gut feel and sensing without sounding too woo woo, but just like, you know, that idea when you can walk into a room in a conversation and you know whether the conversation, you can feel it in the air if it was like a conversation you're not supposed to walk into, or it's a conversation about you, right? You, you just get that feeling. So that's what I'm talking about when I, I'm talking about sensing things. So I'm looking at my energy management all the time. Is this something that brings me joy? Or is this something that is draining? Because now this is my own opinion and, and belief in my own experience. If it's, if you're doing something that's a distraction, you're misaligned with what you're looking for, what you want in life and how you're executing in your behavior. So when I'm doing things to distract, there's a feeling of a little more stress or activation in the system versus kind of this pure, clean, um, like you mentioned earlier, like the love of the process. After I had these conversations, it was no longer a question of whether a team that is performing well relies on individual or self-awareness about shining the light on our motivations, our drives, our habits, desires, aversions, and so on, which are affecting our workplace interactions and therefore, of course, reflecting our performance. So I wanted to hear how Jonathan Reynolds would address this. Well, I think there's a few ways to address this. One is when we look at ourselves, and we can all do this, there's conditioning. Whether we're aware of it or not, there's conditioning. And that extends into how we relate. And so um, part of the reason awareness practices are so essential in transformational work um, and performance and enhancing performance is that we have to look at what's not working um, and what habits aren't actually serving uh, the team goal or our personal goals. And so that's one of the first places, I think, to place attention. You know, one of the sort of the moniker of Mindful Life, Mindful Work is at the intersection of self-awareness and team performance, because it's each of our self-awarenesses that contribute either in a positive or a negative way to team performance. Now, I know what you must be wondering. You must be thinking, okay, great. How do I get this perfect balance of performance? How do I get to this place? Do I just get there? How do I get my team there to this performance utopia? Where is that? We never get there, and we're always there. Both are simultaneously true. We're always in the present moment, aware to the degree that we can be able, and there's always room for development and growth. Um, and so we don't want it to make a perfectionist project, we want to make it an acceptance project of where we're at. And that acceptance is part of the reason it flowers and grows over time. So that's the first piece I'll, I'll just say around sort of awareness developing. We're not in isolation. So, but it can be helpful to practice on ourselves because we're the one we're around all the time. We're the one that's always available to practice with. And so, uh, so I think practicing with ourselves, whether that's a meditation practice or some other awareness cultivation practice, um, I think is really important. That said, if we never make it relational, we've just isolated ourselves with our practice. And a lot of people are in that position where they become really good at being mindful alone. And the moment anybody enters their field, uh, it's challenging for them because they didn't actually translate their practice. 
you know, there's two broad categories of practice. Um, there's insight practice and there's concentration practice. Concentration practice resources us, focuses us almost exclusively inward, and insight practice is sort of everything else. Um, it can it can integrate uh, really nicely in our lives and work. We are already coming to the end of another show. As I start to reflect on the learnings of this episode, and that our performance, of course, is greatly enhanced with self-awareness, but there is no place to arrive to. There is no destination. Or as uh, Marcel Pro says, my destination is no longer a place, rather a new way of seeing. Or as Hedy Kaplan said, So there is nowhere to arrive. It's just the bedrock that supports individual and collective growth. And so this recognition that things are a process rather than a destination. Well, this brings us close to the end of another episode. I certainly enjoyed the learning journey and I certainly enjoyed reflecting on this. And I hope that you did as well. As always, I like to ask my guests to share a practical tip, as we like to do on this show, of something you can take away and implement immediately in your working practice so that you can work more mindfully. As usual, I'd love to take your questions. I would love to put them to my guests. Email me, calvin.niles at mindfullifemindfulwork.com. Ask me anything you want to know, and I will certainly see if I can find out the answer for you as it pertains to working more mindfully. And please do leave us a review. If you've been enjoying this show and you feel that it's been uh, giving you some sort of benefit or insight to the way you're working, a review will really help us as well. So let's leave then with Rene's tips on how we can work more mindfully. And I look forward to seeing you in episode seven. Bye for now. Well, it's two things. It's called the three list and then the scorecard. So a lot of us high performers, high achievers like to do lists. And many of us <laughs> like to put things on our list to cross them off because it's a dopamine hit. But we get this big to do list that could be work personal, it's kind of all over the place. And then we go to the list and we waste a lot of time like now what do we do? And so well, the first thing is, uh, actually, I'll just give you the whole process. So think about, um, there's something called Defend 90. And I can't remember who I got this from, but Defend 90, which means the first 90 minutes of your day after you get up and you're ready for work, before you check email, all of that, you're going to carve out 90 minutes of your day. For most people, that's a productive time is in the morning. So the first 90 minutes of the day, you're going to focus on the top one to three things that you can get done in a day. Because the reality is for bigger projects or tasks or thinking that that's the most we can get done. We think we can do 12 things and we try to do that. And then we're frustrated when we don't. But we want to spend our time and energy on the things that are going to move the needle, whatever that is for you, you know. And so the night before you want you want to make sure you choose what those three things are are during the defend 90 and I call those the most important things, your MITs. So you pick one to three things that are your MITs. You do them during defend 90. Now we've been born and raised and go through the education system around like tasks or tests or things to achieve at the end of the day. 
but we live in a really complex world and complex systems. You know, it's like we are part of a complex system. And so the to-do list now, um, this new way of doing it is the three list. So at the end of the day, you write down what you did and that does several things that kind of primes the side of the brain, you know, we're wired to look at all the negative, but like, okay, this is what I did accomplish. For those of you that have to do performance reviews and and kind of track your achievements, now you have every day you have a list of all the things that you've accomplished. And then in the second column, you write down what needs to get done that you know how to do. So you know how to do these things. You just need to find the time and prioritize which needs to get done first. And then the third column, this was really helpful for me, was write down the things that need to get done that you don't know how to do. And then that way, when you look at that list, then you can take a quick assessment like, okay, I don't know how to do this. Do I need to ask someone? Do I need to learn it? Um, can I just, do I need to do a little more research? Am I waiting on someone? And then your evaluation of the day, this is the scorecard. Instead of looking at like, oh, I did all these things. I don't know how to do these. You're looking at how well did I adapt to the day? Because most of us are in some organization that's dealing with a ton of uncertainty a lot of complexity and we're getting thrown things like I hear this over and over again is like, Oh, I couldn't get to that because I had to put out this fire or that fire. Um, and so, and that can cause a lot of stress and anxiety for people. And so the scorecard is really not what did I get done today, but how well did I adapt to the day? Mindful work is the official podcast brought to you by mindful life, mindful work incorporated. To learn more about our work, visit www.mindfullifemindfulwork.com.